0: Welcome to the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. In today's episode of our daily NYFF 59 edition, NYFF director Eugene Hernandez sits down with director Pedro Almodovar and cast members Penelope Cruz and Milena Smith to discuss Parallel Mothers, the closing night selection of this year's festival. In this contemporary melodrama, two women, a generation apart, find themselves inextricably linked by their brief time together in a maternity ward. The circumstances that brought them to the Madrid hospital are quite different. One accidental, the other traumatic. And a secret, hiding the truth of the bond that connects these two, is a powerful story that tackles a deep trauma in Spanish history. Penelope Cruz's Janice is a uniquely complex, flawed, but ultimately alluring lead character, who finds herself in a morally and emotionally treacherous situation. She's viewed in contrast with Ana, radiantly portrayed by newcomer Milena Smith a discovery who brings a palpable innocence, pain, and longing to this interwoven portrait of women and motherhood. These charismatic stars inhabit characters who are singular among those drawn by Almodovar in a career defined by striking portraits of women. To learn more and get tickets for this year's NYFF, taking place through this Sunday, visit filmlink.org. Enjoy this conversation with Pedro Almodovar, Penelope Cruz, and Melaina Smith.
1: Carla sit here. We'll let Carla sit here to translate. Penelope, if you don't mind sitting here, and Melena right here. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to ask, welcome, congratulations. Oh, welcome to closing you. night. Thank you for
2: being here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel very happy, you know, here at the Lincoln. I feel very happy here. This is the best way for me to be
1: <laughs> Well, it, it, it was a lot of um, coordination and um, production to make this opportunity happened. Thank you for showing us the movie earlier this summer. Uh, Dennis Lim and I were able to watch the film in Madrid and uh, we were once we saw it, we knew we had our closing night. So it's special for us to have you presenting it. So thank you for coming, spending, traveling all this way despite yeah. everything to be here. Thank you. So um, I'll just dive in with a couple of questions to start. And then we will take some questions from the audience as well, so hold on one second. Well, I think. I think Pedro, um, it might be good to start with some historical context. <laughs> um, you know this this image at the end of this film is I think one of the the most striking of the images I've seen in all of your films it's such a it's such a striking image and it represents so much. So if you want to maybe share with us a little bit of historical context, um, I think it would be useful for us to hear a bit from you about this. This dark chapter in your country's history and why it was uh, something you wanted to explore.
2: Yeah, this is—I mean, this is the more political, explicit political movie that I did, and uh, of course, then I, I wanted. I mean, the protagonists are these two ladies, and it's about them. But um, I wanted—I wanted—I wanted to create a link between the protagonists, Janice, with the past, because this is what I'm talking about about the darkest side of the Spanish Civil war eh, entonces el, el vínculo que creo entre la protagonista eh, se establece con su abuela es una chica huérfana eh, ha crecido con su abuela la abuela la ha educado y le ha dejado un legado muy importante que es que encuentre a su bisabuelo que haga todo lo posible porque se abra la fosa donde su bisabuelo está que fue asesinado en la guerra española
3: so the link that i create in the film between the history uh, and the main character uh, comes through her grandmother uh, her she's an orphan her, her grandmother has raised her and her grandmother has uh, told her the story of how her uh, great grandfather was um, killed and has left her this legacy this this desire to find his body uh, and exhum his grave.
2: entonces de ese modo eh, vinculo a una persona, un personaje muy contemporáneo como es Janis, con un pasado de hace 85 años a través del de legado de la abuela.
3: And so, this is a way in which I link someone who belongs to the present day, like Janis, uh, to a history that happened 80 years ago, which is through her re- relationship and the leg.
2: Y también era para mí lo interesante era hablar de, de las fosas comunes eh, y de la búsqueda de ella de la verdad a nivel público a nivel nacional, pero en contradicción con, con su verdad más íntima que en este caso no existe porque por circunstancias que ya habéis visto en la película ella vive en la ocultación y la mentira. Entonces, realmente para mí este este es el eje de la película, el dilema moral de una mujer que trata de establecer la re- realidad, la verdad de la memoria histórica, pero que en su vida es incapaz de llevarlo a cabo.
3: So the central axis that I set up in the film uh, has to do I really wanted to talk about the mass graves uh, and in this particular Case about the truth, the truth about them, and the truth that the character is seeking—that, of course, goes in contradiction, uh, as you have all seen now in the film, uh, to the way in which she's handling truth in her own life. And so, this this axis, this contradiction, is something that the the character needs to come to terms with. In the
2: film. Well, and just to the end, because perhaps you don't know, I'm mean, you know, Spain is the second country after Somalia with more missing people. Uh, actually, now is like. Uh, uh, 140,000 missing people. That uh, that of course this is, I mean, it um, it is completely a. Uh, I mean, the Spanish society has a debt with the families and with the victims. Until the moment that they don't open all that uh, mass graves, I think that the civil war is not ended. So we need to do that just to uh, just to close that awful period of our history
1: and just as a f- follow up to this how how is this subject discussed right now in spain is it discussed or how no, is it discussed i mean discussed?
2: when is we i mean the, the movie the movie happens between the uh, 2016 till 2019 now i mean the last july i mean two months or three months ago there is a new law uh, by the uh, socialist party which is in the government now and uh, that changed completely the situation because now, I mean, it's the the, the the administration that takes care. I mean, the law is the name of the law is the uh, Ley de Memoria Democrática, and uh, everything related with mass uh, graves uh, is is a question of it's uh, a question de estado. It's a question
3: uh, for the state.
2: Yeah. Entonces, es el estado y la administración la que se encargan de organizarlas y de tratar de solucionar de una vez este gran problema.
3: Yeah, so this new uh, law,
2: so, entonces, uh, a partir de ahora, va a ser distinto.
3: Porque durante
2: el tiempo que, que transcurre la película son todo iniciativas privadas o ONGs, pero nunca hay, nunca están presentes las instituciones
3: because during the time period that the, that the film takes place in, uh, those those in charge are really private enterprises or, or, or NGOs that are having to take care of these cases.
1: I'm gonna come back to how you connect these two stories so elegantly, but I wanna bring Penelope and Milena into the conversation. Welcome. Welcome back, Thank Penelope. You. Welcome,
0: Thank you. Welcome,
1: Milena. Thank you. Um, so Penelope, I'd love to know, how does this, how does this collaboration work? Uh, does Pedro, just call you up and say, I have another movie for you, or is it? does he just send you the script? Can you tell, and in this case, how did the conversation begin specifically?
4: So it can happen in different ways, all of them magical for me. <laughs> the first time he shared with me something about this story, we were here in New York uh, doing press for all about my mother. And, and he told me a few things about the story that later changed, evolved a lot into something else, but that was like the, the root of the story. And then when we were in total lockdown, uh, confined in Madrid, we did one of our calls. Uh, we did a FaceTime, and he told me, oh, by the way, I I took this story uh, out, of the, out of the drawers. Mm-hmm. And and I'm writing it again, and I'm thinking for you. And I'm thinking about uh, you for the character. And imagine, you know, during lockdown, with all, all of us were like we didn't know until when, what was the future, uh, what kind of future, um, we had no idea of, we knew, we knew nothing. And then he, he gave me this injection of um, hope and excitement, no? and n- knowing that that would be the, um, the plan in the horizon no? for us to do this wonderful story together. So... Um, That was maybe from all the times that he has shared those stories with me, those news with me, Mm -hmm. this is my favorite because it was during extreme circumstances.
1: It probably seemed a little unlikely at that first moment. There was so much much uncertainty, right? No, I think
4: we all need to have faith that at some point we all could be able to get out of the house again. And (laughs) first of all, that we would make it, that we would survive, I mean I was you know, terrified. We didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I took it very seriously from the beginning, and and then yeah, we didn't know if it was a plan for a year later or five years later. We had no idea. But I will always remember that phone call.
1: <laughs> when we um, when you showed us the film this summer, Pedro, one of the first things I asked you was how you had been spending your pandemic because clearly you had made now two movies in the course of just like 18 or 19 months so you clearly just focused yourself on on work to kind of navigate this time period
2: yeah I mean for me it was the only way <clears throat> I mean just yes, to, to write and uh, and to shoot it was the only way like to escape from the reality and uh, so um, I mean Surround me. I, I could see on TV and on the newspapers. I mean, huge tragedies happening every day. And uh, but I concentrated myself in writing. And actually, it was more productive than before because uh, during the three the three months of the confinement, uh, I could be more, much more concentrated in the writing because as as, as I could go out, I didn't see anybody. So and, uh, and it was the best way for me to finish the script. Because this script, I mean, it, it, it had a long way of cooking, a long time of cooking. And there are many things that I didn't like at the beginning. So I could find out everything and finishing in these three months. And just when the confinement finished, uh, then I start, because this is uh, what I was doing, during, I mean, just the day before the confining, I mean, the last, I mean, the the last week, the last three week, I mean, after confinement, Tilda uh, Swindon it was already in Madrid, just for the rehearsal of the Human Boys, so we have to postpone it, of course, and um, and we took it again, like at, yes, at the beginning of July, so I, I mean, we we made the. Post, uh, pre-production, and then we shoot, during the pandemic, the, the short, that is 30 minutes. And um, and we were very lucky because we were, no one case of being infected, because also, I mean, my brother, who is also my producer, hired a sanitary team mm-hmm. that, uh, I mean, he, he made us every day a PCR to be sure that they were nobody, because mm-hmm. it was the only way to be sure. And, uh, and immediately, the, um, we, we shoot the human voice. We went to Venice. We were very successful. And, um, and immediately after Venice, film festival, then we start to pre-produce, pre-produce uh, parallel models. So I, was, I, th- I think it was the more fertile, how do you say? Fertile. Fertile.
0: fertile. 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 fertile.
2: Yeah. Uh, time uh, for me. And, uh, and I think it's, it was because I just preferred to be just working and, and not. I mean, of course I was, I mean, I was sensible about everything that was happening there uh, and, uh, and also made me suffer. But I didn't want to, to, to be like obsessed with this situation. Um, and uh, I mean, in general, you know, for me, to make a movie is, is always a kind of runaway from my life. I mean, even, even if there are not tragedies like here with the pandemia, but it was always that drives me to another reality where I feel much better than in my own life. I have to admit it. Gives
1: you more control maybe?
2: Yeah, yeah well, you know, I mean, for example, you know, I feel, I feel when I'm working, when I'm writing, and shooting, uh, I'm feeling much more free than in my real
0: life.
2: Mm. Uh, so I don't, well, I don't know how to, explain, how to explain it. Yeah, I mean, the reality, I mean, the reality, the reality that you live day by day, uh, I'm not so uh, courageous and uh, so daring, uh, like when I write or when I am shooting I'm more like a coward. (laughs) Not exactly, I mean, I don't have any word because my English is very limited. But um, yes, uh, the moment when I feel completely free, and this is a wonderful experience, it is when when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. There is no limits for me.
1: Does this resonate, Penelope? You've known Pedro a long time. These, These two parts of his life, the professional, the private, do you see this dichotomy with him?
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm not with him when he's writing, um, but he's writing all the time. Even when we are traveling, doing, uh, promoting one film, he's sometimes writing three scripts at the same time. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, but this is like this since I met him. But I can tell when we are shooting and when we are not. When we are shooting, I think Pedro is happier. When writing, shooting, pre-production, post production, um traveling around the world with the movie, I, I feel that he's happier in those process. Um those processes. And I I understand because I identify with that. Um
2: but oh, well, you have a life. You are a I, I mother. Have, I have a you life. Have two kids. I, I have
4: I have a life that I'm you have a
2: husband. I, 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 I have husband a life a that or... makes me
4: very happy but <laughs> even even like this even if I have Children that you know i 'm obsessed with, and they are the best thing I have in my life and 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 family i'm a family oriented person I've always been like that. I value that very much at the time in my family, and raising my kids is my priority, but it's true that i've been doing movies since I was sixteen, and I understand um I understand what what happens when you wake up in the morning, go to the set, and you just feel complete no and and we only have that as actors we can have it more often maybe we can do a couple of movies per year or three if they are not too long but for a director i understand it's like a, it's a different everything is a different timing so that's why i i say like in, in his case it's very obvious for the people that know him as well as i know him that he's so much happier when he's working so i'm telling him every summer we have to be shooting a movie Right in the winter, then you were very quick at editing because everything is so clear for him. Every summer we shoot. He likes shooting in the summer.
1: So, so as a follow-up for Penelope, um, this congratulations on this performance. It is just an exceptional portrayal of this woman, Janice. Um, Tell us about what struck you about Janice. Tell us about what what interested you in this woman, what drew you to this role.
4: I mean, everything from the first page, I I was like uh, hypnotized. I use that word a lot with this film because I I think it happened with the script and it happens when you watch the movie. It has an incredible hypnotic effect. And it's just, you're there. keeps you so present and so there, like don't, you don't want to lose anything. It is so many details. It's a movie that if you watch two or three times, you always will discover something new. Yeah, I think he created something really, really special. And when I read it, I felt like, once again, this is like a perfect script. And, and he's given me an amaz- amazing opportunity with this character. It's true that all the characters that I've played with Pedro have been complex, interesting interesting characters, difficult characters, because a lot of people are asking me if this is my most difficult. But all of them are because he he writes with so many layers that I don't think we can say any of the characters written by him for men or women are easy because they are not easy personalities or simple. They are complex. They are mm, not just one side of them. So... But it's true that Janice is is put under so much pressure. And when you think uh, one thing is solved, another bigger problem comes into her life. And it's constantly like that until the end of the film. And that was a beautiful challenge to have in my hands, you know. And I am very grateful that he once again imagined me in doing something that he didn't see me do before. Mm -hmm. And he's done constantly that with me in my career. Like, imagine that I could do something that I never did with him or with another director. And that is like the best gift that somebody can give you. And if it comes from a genius like him, because I don't like using that word lightly, like a genius. No, But with him, that word is the word that makes sense. I think I can say that, say that in a very relaxed way because it's just the truth. So... <laughs> to be so lucky, you know, to have this constant uh, faith and, and all these gifts that he's giving me over and over in in my life, I could not be more more grateful and thankful.
2: I was the lucky one. I was the lucky director. What
1: do you what do you see in Penelope, Pedro? Over what do you see in her? All this time together, what do you see? Well, in her? you know, I
2: mean, the first time that I saw. It, That I saw, of course, it was uh, in her debut, uh, Hamon, Hamon. And I remember very well the the cinema that I, the theater that I saw the movie. And I was very impressed. Uh, She was very, extremely young. I was very impressed about the way she acted. Uh, She acted in a completely personal way that even uh, can, I mean, in a very personal way, that if I listened that voice and that way of acting in other actresses, uh, I thought that it was not in tune. But uh, in her, everything was true and original, and, uh, and with, with a kind of incredibly uh, strength, uh, even being so young. So I mean, when when I went out the theater, I thought that well, this is the actress that I would like to work with, and uh, fortunately we met. I don't know how many years after, and uh, it was mutual, fortunately, and uh, and then the first time that we had the chance. I mean, she always at the moment she always w- was too young for the character that I was writing, uh, so um, then we could make we could make it, I mean, just yes, to work together uh, in Lifeless, that even I even she was very young, but anyway, I, I just I, I thought that it was the moment to start. And uh, she's only 80, no, eight minutes on a screen, and, uh, and I think she stole the movie to everyone. And I don't know, one year after, I met Stephen Theory somewhere, and he told me that uh, he called her to make one of her American movies, uh, The High Low Country, a western, because of that eight minutes in Lifeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so since then, you know, really we became very close friends. And, well, it's like part of my family. And, uh, and also this is, I mean, this is, this is really an advantage you have that once you, you feel that you are very well understood by someone, and also that I understand her very well, this is, this is a plus that you have at the moment of working. Mm. Mm. And also because I mean, she is such an incredible photogenia. Photogenia, you say? Photogenic. 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 <laughs> that, uh, well, this is also something very important, her beauty. <laughs>
1: Michael Barker reminded me backstage that when we called to invite the film to screen at our festival tonight, um, one thing we said was we had to have an invite Milena Smith to join us at this event. So thank you for being here today, Milena. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. Congratulations. In the old days, there's these legends of actors and actresses being discovered at like a drugstore or candy store. In this case, your team found Milena on Instagram, is this true?
2: Well, I think Milena for me in the movies is the big revelation. Uh, Because she was new. And and also we all were very impressed about that everything she does, it was true. Uh, uh, I mean, it's like I mean, for me, it's like to, 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 to be the witness of the birth of someone that is gonna be a big star. Because I'm sure that the future of Milena will be, I mean, wonderful, that she's going to make many movies, and she's very young, so she, she, she will have time to make many different types of movie. Because also, I mean, the, the way of acting Uh, in my movie that could be the the, the more usual, is not her exactly. I mean, she's another type of of woman. So I think it's also very versatile physically. uh, But I was impressed about her immediate truth uh, of everything she says and she does. Mm. So we are in front of a very, very near or very close Superstar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Take home limited edition merch from this year's 59th New York Film Festival. The official NYFF 59 poster, designed by artist Kara Walker, plus original NYFF t shirts, hats, and more, are now available. Shop online at filmlink.org/slash merch or during the festival at Alice Tully Hall and the Eleanor Bunan Monroe Film Center.
1: Milena, same question I asked Penelope about this character and, and what, how it resonated, how she resonated with you, but also before you tell me that, you get a call from someone in Pedro's office saying, we saw you on Instagram, or how did this happen?
5: Muchas gracias. Thank you very much. Muchas <laughs> gracias por recibirme. Estoy muy feliz de estar aquí presentando nuestra película con Pedro y con Penélope.
3: Thank you. Uh, I'm very happy to be here and, and to be presenting this film here with Pedro and Penélope.
5: Em um, a mí el, el papel me llegó a través de un casting. Em um, hice varias pruebas hasta que la la, de, la definitiva ya sería con Pedro y con Penélope.
3: So the it, it was uh, through a casting call and I did various various of these tests until the very last one which I did with Pedro on Penélope.
5: Pero yo nunca supe para que era el proyecto durante esas pruebas hasta el último casting
3: so I never really knew what those were for all those tests were for until the very last casting
5: entonces mis, mis agentes pensaron que era una buena idea decírmelo antes de presentarme en la prueba con Pedro y con Penelope. so
3: my agents did think it was a good idea to let me know ahead of my test with Penelope and Pedro
5: <laughs> y a a partir de ahí eh, hicimos varios varias pruebas también en el deseo y um, un día le ellos yo nunca había leído el el guion de de la película solo me iban dando separatas
3: So we did various tests there at el deseo and I had never really read the full script because I only got parts of the script for the tests.
5: Y un día eh, Pedro nos nos dio un, una separata en la que bueno era el punto de inflexión en la en la trama y y la leímos y yo recuerdo que no podía parar de llorar. Eh, Y después de, de, de leer juntas esta separata, yo, eh, Pedro me dio el guión y me escribió una nota que me dijo que, que era Ana.
3: <laughs> so w- w- during one of those these parts of the script that I read which was an inflection point uh, in the film after performing it I cried a lot and, and, and it was shortly thereafter that I got the full script from Pedro with an inscription. Uh, telling me that I was Anna. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> congratulations um, let's give the audience a chance to ask you all some questions mm-hmm. and um I you know there's going to be a lot of them so um i'll go all the way to the back first all the way you're standing up yes a question about the power of cinema the as a the cinema as a tool of of memory and the power of cinema <laughs>
2: Eh, Una película es importante siempre y además de entretener, que es su principal función, eh, a veces muestra y pone y da visibilidad a problemas del lugar donde se hace la película. Y en este caso, eh, pensando en en los los chicos y chicas que excavan la, la tumba, que es una ONG, me dieron mucho las gracias por darle visibilidad al problema, porque en ese momento no aparecía nunca en los medios de comunicación.
3: So, you know, I, I do think that films, other than the fact that they entertain us, uh, they also play a role in uh, bring us close to issues that are happening uh, socially, culturally, and in this case, uh, it was even even the um, the people who excavate the the tombs, they told me that. They really gave me the thanks for bringing visibility to an issue that is not talked about enough uh, in Spain.
2: Now, now the situation, as I told you before, is very different. I mean, they have to start. Uh, we don't know because the, the right wing is furious with this law. Um, um, I mean, there's something that, it, that I really can't understand because it's a, it's a, it's a problem of humanity. Because the only thing that the, 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 the families of the victims are demanding is just to have a place with the name of, I mean, in, in their grandfather or their great-grandfather, uh, a place to, to bring some flowers and to pray if they are believers. So uh, but the right-hand things uh, is very, I mean, just understand that it's a political response. And then they think like um, the the character of Anna say in one moment, that it is only will help to open big bounds. Uh, To open old wounds. Uh, And it's not, and it's not. It's, it's, it's It's a very simple and very human problem and situation.
1: Let's take another, we'll come to the front in a moment. We'll go all the way here, and then we'll come up to the front row. The question is about adding about the inclusion of the relationship between these two women in the film. Um, How was it? How was it added to the to the story? Did it feel very natural for the actresses? uh, The comment is that it it, it's like a hetero flexible maybe rather than a lesbian relationship. How do you think about it?
2: Bueno, yo trato de mostrar en la película, sobre todo al final, eh, una familia muy abierta y muy heterogénea.
3: Eh,
2: incluso no llego a explicar si ellas siguen juntas, que yo creo que sí, eh, y cómo es la relación entre ellas dos y el antropólogo forense.
3: And for example, I don't really explain at the end of the film what the relationship is between them. Maybe they're still together. I personally think yes. Uh, and and I, I what I want to show is the relationship amongst all of them, including uh, the forensic anthropologist.
2: Eh, las dos son chicas huérfanas, es decir, una porque eh, su madre se murió y la otra porque la madre no le prestó nunca atención.
3: And they're both orphans. One because she lost her mother at a very young age, and the other one because her mother never paid any attention to her.
2: Y las dos tienen una necesidad eh, enorme de, de, de fundar, de crear una familia.
3: And they both have this very deep, feel, deep sense of wanting to form a family.
2: Eh, al principio, la familia la forman desde el momento en que Ana llega a la casa y se y se dedica a cuidar a la hija de Janis, que no es su hija, pero bueno.
3: And so uh, the first moment in which they form a family is when an Anna comes to Janice's house uh, merely to take care of the child, but they've already formed the family unit
2: at that point. Y en cuanto a la relación sexual de las dos, eh, para mí, yo no, yo no sé si calificarla, bueno, sí, es una relación lésbica, es una relación entre dos mujeres, pero... Forma parte, eh, quiero proponer unos personajes, y creo que las mujeres son más verosímiles, en que realmente eh, el sexo tiene que ver con el género, pero es mucho más amplio, eh, es mucho más amplio, Eh, que eh, que incluye a personas de tu mismo género, pero de un modo completamente espontáneo y natural.
3: And yes, of course, you can label the relationship as a lesbian relationship, but I really think about it as something more fluid and more broad than that, where where gender is not so much attached just to that one act of sexuality, but that it's something that happens more naturally, almost spontaneously between them.
2: A mí me gusta la idea que desde que las dos coinciden en en el en la habitación en maternidad antes de dar a luz, en ese momento, a pesar de la confusión y del trauma que Ana tiene. But from this moment, he prests attention to the beauty and the good disposition of Janice. I don't want to say a flechazo, but from this moment, Ana le gusta Yanis.
3: And so, for example, I like to think from the very first scene we're in the hospital, where they're both pregnant and about to give birth desde uh, that from the very first moment there's already an inkling uh that Anna has been struck by Janis's beauty and there's a kind of crush y, y, y
2: durante los próximos encuentros yo creo que si tenemos si tuviera que definir exactamente la relación y hacer esa pregunta terrible para los amantes de quién ama más a alguien eh, en efecto en esta relación Ana está más enamorada de Janis que al revés
3: and if I had to explain and really sort of enter into that really painful territory uh, amongst couples where you ask who loves who more than who, uh, then of course I would have to say that Anna is much more in love of Janice than Janice is of Anna.
2: Pero también Anna es una mujer libre y Janice tiene una enorme culpabilidad que le impide incluso disfrutar de la relación de ella eh, porque tiene, tiene esta, esta contradicción moral de estarle ocultando algo.
3: But Anna you can also say that Anna is much freer than Giannis because Giannis of course has this internal conflict uh, because of course she knows that she's hiding something from Anna.
2: Eh, pero en ese momento ellas ya forman una familia.
3: moment a family. O sea, la,
2: la familia eh, en los últimos 30 años ha cambiado muchísimo. Quiero decir, no no, no existe ya solo en España eh, la idea de familia es la idea de familia católica. Pero, pero ya hay muchas familias que no tienen ese sustrato religioso.
3: And things have changed a lot over the last 30 years. In Spain, yes, traditionally perhaps there's this sense of, an, of a Catholic family, but that has changed profoundly in Spain over the last 30 years.
2: Y ahora hay familias de una sola madre, de dos padres, eh, de dos madres. Creo que eso se ha flexibilizado enormemente y ha ganado en naturalidad, porque Eh, Las familias de ahora son familias vocacionales, son familias basadas en el amor y no en un contrato eh, matrimonial.
3: Yeah, and really what has happened is that uh, the 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 family structure is more a vocational uh, family structure, one that is really based on love, right? So that you can have uh, families made up of one mother or two fathers or two mothers, right? It's 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 more about the love and the vocation for family than anything else.
1: Penelope and Milena, did you think about the labels that for these two characters, Janice and Anna? did you think about labels for their relationship or what labels for this family? Or how did you think about it? How did you talk about it?
4: I, I try not to think of labels, especially when I'm working with Pedro. It's like when, when you read it, there are no labels anywhere. And it's one of the things that I love the most about the way he creates and the way about the way he sees life. Um, and I really identify with his way because I've been raised like that. So uh, I didn't have to find the etiquette of what are they called? Because right from now on, they're going to also have sexual relationships. It goes beyond that because if you think about it, when when Anna kisses Janice the first time, it really Get, catches me by surprise, but my character is in such a survival mode that I, I could feel, I could hear the thoughts of my characters. I, I have very good memories of that scene because I feel like we really were not there. It was only, only the characters. And I could feel the thoughts of Janice and they were like, I could not, share them with you now, it's not like I remember the words, but I remember the feelings of, oh, and now this, but actually this is right as a next step for survival. <laughs> and of course, I have, uh, Janice has a connection with her also in that way, but it's not like just about sex. It's desperation of, uh, she always wanted to have a family, she never could. Maybe this is gonna be the way. Maybe, maybe this is the next step for for her not to lose what she loves the most and is again uh, th- uh, again threat threatened, she's threatened mm-hmm. by, by, by the loss and actually this could be the solution and it's not like she's forcing like oh she wouldn't go to bed with her if she didn't feel something but it's beyond that it's like almost unconsciously um, is a lion, you know, protecting protecting that family mm. so she and I think all of that is in that shot when you just Mm -hmm. see the face of the two of us and what everyone is thinking and let's go, let's go because the alternative like I'm not going to be alone again I'm not going to lose this family again so it's so many things going on in my head in that scene that the last thing I was thinking was is um, how would we label this relationship (laughs) I I had no (laughs) space for that
1: Milena, same question
4: Eh,
5: ¿Puedes repetirme?
3: La, la misma pregunta sobre si. ¿Qué piensas? Era de la relación entre ellas y el tema de las etiquetas.
5: Yo estoy de acuerdo con todo lo que ha dicho Penélope, porque creo que mi personaje lo que tiene es una carencia eh, muy grande debido a la falta de. Bueno, a la ausencia de, de sus padres y la situación tan traumática de la que viene.
3: So I really agree with Penélope because, of course, in the case of Mac, my character, what I really sense is that she uh, is lacking love, that she's lacking a kind of affective uh, connection, given her situation with her parents and also the traumatic situation that she's been through.
5: Entonces, de repente se encuentra con una persona que, sin conocerla de nada, le está ofreciendo muchísimo más eh, apoyo y presencia. Que su propia familia And suddenly
3: she finds herself in front of someone who's giving her more support and more presence than her own
5: family así que a partir de ahí um, creo que cuando hablamos de etiquetas en, en el amor es algo muy equivocado creo que de hecho la familia se construye la, la principal base por la que debería construirse una familia es um, a través del amor, Y cuando ellas comienzan a ser una familia, creo que es un error etiquetar como algo lésbico o como bisexual o simplemente para mí y cómo lo viví yo y y cómo lo vivía Ana era amor, era como un acto de amor constante.
3: And I really do think that we make a large mistake uh, if we tried to place a label uh, on the situation. Uh, for her, it was just really truly an act of love, uh, what, what, what happened between them. And I think really that's what fundamentally describes a family, right, is love. And so for me, what happens between the two of them, um, we would make a mistake to, to add a label and call it a lesbian relationship.
1: Okay, we have time for a couple more. We'll go right here in the front row, hi. Balancing the nature of women as victims and women as heroes.
2: There's more to your question, but I'm yeah. distilling it. So they're fighters first and
3: foremost. And if I just go to the case of Penelope, who is uh, in the film, a mother, a single mother who has to balance motherhood with with her work life, and, and that already is something that is not easy.
2: Sí, no, las eh, las las mujeres eh, son son más básicamente mujeres las que están buscando a sus ancestros eh, a encontrar eh, dinero para poder para poder abrir las fosas. Eh, quiero decir, la víctima fue el familiar que fue asesinado durante la guerra, pero ellas. También son víctimas de una injusticia eh, and so sí. for
3: example yes the, the, the women because it is primarily for some reason women uh, who are searching for their relatives um, the the direct victim of course is the person who they have lost but they themselves have been victims because the state has not given them the possibility to find their relatives
2: y son, por ejemplo, de la and they're,
3: in, they're also victims of the democratic Spain
2: eh durante los cuarenta años de dictadura, las familias de las víctimas nunca dijeron una palabra no hablaron nunca de la guerra eh, tenían tanto miedo que se condenaron a un silencio patológico
3: so during the forty years of the dictatorship, the families never spoke a word uh, they were too afraid they almost they, the, there was this enduring silence and this pathological fear eh,
2: Después, una vez muerto Franco, eh, después de la ley de amnistía eh, y lo que se llamó el pacto del olvido, España entra y da sus primeros pasos en la democracia.
3: So once Franco dies and the amnesty law of 1977, which is also known as, as the pact of forgetting, uh, Spain now enters into democracy.
2: Eh, entonces, en ese momento, eh, la izquierda trató de ser muy pragmática. Porque todavía existían muchos elementos franquistas en los otros partidos, en el partido que llegaba al poder, la UCD.
3: So at that point, the Socialist Party was very careful and, and, and attempted to be very pragmatic because there were still a lot of franquist elements remaining in the, other part, in the other parties.
2: Because they were frightened. I mean, in fact, I mean, three years later, in 1981, uh, it was a golpe, de estado, golpe militar. Uh, a coup d'etat entonces en ese momento la izquierda también se olvidó de las víctimas
3: o sea
2: las víctimas fueron condenadas por Franco a una especie de no
3: existencia
2: y el pacto de silencio y la ley de amnistía de nuevo también se olvidó y las condenó también a la no existencia
3: but then also the pact of forgetting under the amnesty law also condemned them to a non-existence.
2: And
3: even though I sympathize with the left um, because it was something necessary for the transition, it is true that 10, ten years after uh, this moment, once democracy had really established itself, the left should have looked back uh, and tried to remedy uh, this mistake. And so I think that from that moment on, uh, Spain really has a debt uh, to its own past and, and to the people who have lost
2: loved ones. And through
3: the course of the last 40 years, it's not like the victims have not been remembered. They have been remembered, um, but always There's always been this element of fear, and so it's not until just now, the current socialist government, that finally they're doing something concrete to remedy
2: the situation. eh, So
3: now it's the generation of the great grandchildren that are asking for the exhumation of the graves.
1: Pedro, Penelope, Melena. Thank you for sharing the movie. Thank you for being here to talk about it.
5: Thank you so much. We're going to stop there
1: for now. Thank you
2: so much. Thank you very very much. Thank you. Thank you. you.
0: Enjoying NYFF? Don't miss Festival Selections opening soon at Film at Lincoln Center, including Todd Haynes, The Velvet Underground, Mia Hansen Loeb's Bergman Island, the late Melvin Van Peebles' Sweet Sweetbacks Badass Song in a New 4K Restoration, and much more. For tickets and more info, visit filmlink.org.